Welcome to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. Each week we meet a new guest and learn their story, all the highs and lows, triumphs and disasters they've faced and how they got through to the other side. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk. Welcome to Checking In. I'm your host, Heather, and this week we spoke to Eliessa Sukiri, General Manager of the Zeta Marylebone. Eliessa spoke about her strong advocacy for equality within the industry, what can be done to break down barriers for other women in hospitality, how to encourage young people to begin their own career journeys, and the importance of having conversations to further progress. Welcome, Eliessa. It's so lovely to have you here. So we have lots to talk about, but just to begin, can you tell us how you first got into hospitality and a little bit about some of the roles you had prior to um, the Zeta? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I got into hospitality by accident, I think like most people do. Hmm. I was studying law at uni, um, ah. family and child law specifically, wow. um, and I was working in... County Hall in an arcade does a bar back in Waterloo, <laughs> just essentially polishing glassware and kind of the energy of the industry, I think, really drew me in. Um, I very much enjoyed being there and I often state to date that it was one of my favourite jobs mm. um, because you've got no responsibility except <laughs> for not to break glasses. Yeah, I then, someone from... The Doyle Collection, Doyle Collection had their Christmas party there and someone left me their business card, um, contacted them kind of quite quickly um, and the rest is history. Mm. Um, yeah. What were uh, some of your roles at the, the Doyle Collection when you started there and, and what was that like um, starting with a hotel group for the first time? I think I found it very intimidating um, you know, you go into the properties, the properties are absolutely stunning and it made absolutely no sense to me at the time. Um, so I went in um, at the time at the Bloomsbury Hotel and I was essentially just polishing glasses and cleaning cutlery um, and kind of just worked my way through predominantly food and beverage outlets. Mm -hmm. So when I joined, we were just launching the Bloomsbury Club. And then went on to launch Dalloway Terrace and Coral Rooms um, a little after that. I did quite a bit with the front of house as well throughout my time there. Um, and then moved into back of house for a bit, um, supported reservations teams. For me, it was a lot of wanting to get to grips of how every aspect of the hotel industry works. Mm. Um, I tried to do housekeeping for a bit. They kicked me out. wasn't very good at it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I did mainly the F&B launches. Um, I did a few of the properties as well. And I worked with some absolutely outstanding people who taught me quite a lot. Some what to do and some what not to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, I think it was a very pivotal experience for me, um, being at Doyle. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit about some of the people that you met there and what sort of lessons you uh, you gleaned from them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there were two 
two or three people that were quite, I, I guess I'd say, important in my progression within the industry. Um, one of those people I'm still very, very good friends with, um, who's moved to the UAE, but he was sort of my first mentor within the industry. And it was quite funny because he was, I think, quite scared of me. <laughs> you know, I was this young person with all of this energy, but not quite sure how to navigate it. Mm. Um, and he was very much part of why I came to trust my instinct and in myself within the industry and how to navigate all of those gut feelings that you have um, when trying to sort of build your career within this industry. You know, I came from a completely different background, law and hospitality, two worlds apart. But he was sort of a key player in my development within the Doyle collection and the industry itself. He had a lot of faith in me. I think more faith than I had in myself at the time. Mm. And is still someone that I very much keep in touch with. Um, and then I think the other key person would be my former manager at the Doyle who joined quite a bit after me. Um, and he is very much of the belief that we make magic happen in our industry mm. and we can make the impossible possible. And, you know, he'd show up with outlandish ideas 24 hours before an event and be like, okay, we have to make this happen. And you'd be like, um, <laughs> sure. But how? Yeah. And it was, I think that showed me that our industry is making memories out of experience and we do create magic, you know, we create memorable moments and it's, as an industry, what makes us so beautiful. Um, I think those two were key for me um, in personal development within the industry. And then one of the sort of former hotel managers at Doyle, um, ingrained me a lot into the commercial aspect of things which I didn't quite understand at the beginning mm. um, and the financials and you know he exposed me to a lot of that side of the business which I think was critical for my development professionally and which was what essentially allowed me to be able to take that leap into the Zeta when I did. Yeah I was gonna say that it sounds like um, your time at the Doyle collection gave you a good vantage point um, it did. <laughs> to, to, yeah, bring into that role. And yeah, how did the role uh, at the Zeta come about? So the during the pandemic, the Zeta Group was being acquired by new ownership. Um, and kind of in between those lockdowns, they'd reached out to me on LinkedIn, <laughs> as you do. Um, and... They said, we've got this role um, at the time. So when I joined the Zeta, I joined as hotel manager. You know, we have this role and we're interested in exploring further with you. And I was absolutely petrified at the time. Yeah. Um, but I thought, you know what, if not now, then when? It was very much a, I believe I'd reached my capacity with Doyle. It was a beautiful journey and it was a long journey. But I needed something new and a new challenge and I think the Zeta came at the perfect time so I began interviewing with them when we went back into lockdown um and kind of just I had to have that conversation essentially be very honest with myself about my capabilities and whether I would be up for the challenge and nothing in my mind at the time stopped me from doing it mm. it was also 
very independent, which is something that I really wanted to explore within the industry. Um, and it's probably the best career decision I've ever made to date. Yeah. <laughs> to date. Brilliant. Um, and, and what do your sort of day-to-day responsibilities now look like as, as GM? And um, yeah, can you tell us a bit about that? An amalgamation of things. <laughs> <don't> um, <laughs> so kind of just the day-to-day run-ins of the operations of the operating asset that we have, which is the Marlebone for me that I take care of, um, ensuring that one of my key things is ensuring that my teams are kind of doing their jobs well, but also in secure positions within their roles. Mm. Um, we do a lot of developmental work with them. So development plans and, you know, following guidelines. And I have weekly meetings with team members, HODs, to just work out how we're navigating their growth within the company. Um, taking care of, obviously, the financial and commercial aspects of the property itself um, and cost controls. And then on the flip side of that, <laughs> I'm also taking um, quite a different role on within the kind of rebirth of the Zeta is what we're calling it. Okay. Um, we're currently expanding. Ah. We have the Bloomsbury coming along very soon, which is something that I'm a big part of. Um, so I now work with the designers almost every day. Um, which is something that I never thought I'd have to do, but it's great. Um, I'm learning so much from that. So a lot of my time is also working on the rebrand of the group and the projects that we have lined up, which is Bloomsbury and a few more that will be coming along. <laughs> that we'll announce when we announce. Exciting. Um, it's, yeah, just every day is so different, you know. Two Saturdays ago, I was trying to help clean rooms. I got kicked out again, but, you know, it seems to be the thing. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. As you do as a hotelier. So whatever's required yeah. of you, you know, I'm there as, I'm there to oversee everything that's happening, but I have enough trust and faith in my HODs that they know how to operate their departments and that they're aligned in what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. And how, how, big uh is the Zeta and, and what does it look like sort of in terms of the teams that are that are there and so currently as a group we're quite a small and efficient team very resourceful mm. um we have three operating assets um two in Clerkenwell kind of Farringdon area and then one in Marlebone. we have a team of 94 people in total some of those are centralized roles where people take care of multiple properties, maintenance example, um, and then sort of key people within hotels itself, um, different roles, housekeeping and um, F&B. Mm. And then we also have Bloomsbury coming along, which will be our biggest site thus far. Nice. So that's very, very exciting. And then, yeah, a few more. <laughs> yeah. Um and then I know at the, the Zeta Marylebone, um, there's been, you know, high turnover and high guest satisfaction um, during your tenure. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think are some of the reasons behind that? Um, what's led to that, that success, do you think? I think like with most acquisitions, you know, there was a restructure in the beginning. Um, mm. Roles change, you know, mm. the people that you bring into the team change. It's... 
hugely in, you know, I, I take no credit for any of it. It is all the team that I have. They're absolutely outstanding. But it's, you know, it's what happens when you've had a group that's been owned by a set of people for so long. Sometimes you lose sight of what's happening in the day-to-day of the business itself. And mm. I think coming into that with a fresh set of eyes and the changes that needed to be made, it was sort of crucial to bring in the right people. And I think our whole industry is about people, right? Mm. So when you have those individuals in the correct places, then the, it runs itself. Yeah. It really runs itself. You know, I can not be there and I won't worry that my team doesn't have everything perfected to a T. It's given people the tools to, and the resources to excel. Mm. Yeah, it sounds sort of self-sustaining. It's just what our industry is, right? Look, we're there to provide an experience for people. Mm-hmm. We're there to make memories out of moments. And that's what our team does. And it's just having those people and that team by your side in order to... People that have the same vision. It's the alignment. Yeah. When you have that, then, you know, things happen. There's mishaps. We're all human. But at the core of it, the values are the same across the board. And therefore our teams are able to perform the way they do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just again on the site itself, uh, <coughs> what have some of the sort of big changes um, been at the hotel since you've been there? Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? So we haven't, th- physically, we've made no changes to the buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, for me, I think that was the biggest change from Doyle because I went from something quite minimalist to what to be at the time was extremely overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we haven't done any physical sort of changes in appearance to the buildings. You know, all of the designs are still there from the very beginning. We've had, I think the biggest kind of investments we've made to the asset itself is changing the core of things. So silly, it sounds like silly things, but it makes a huge difference to your team. Cocktail stations, we had to get those all changed out. We put in the investment in order to get them updated and, you know, the things that our teams need, again, in order to do what they do best. Um, But there's been no drastic changes apart from the restructure right at the beginning, which Mm. is always expected. You know, a lot of people have loyalty to companies they were working with previously. So you get a lot of people that leave and then you get people that don't quite fit into the new vision. And that's okay. And it can be a very beautiful thing. And I think that's the biggest changes that we've had, sort of Mm. ensuring that we bring in the tools physically for our teams to be able to perform and creating a restructure whereby things run more efficiently, but also to the vision of what the Zeta is and will be. Mm. Um, And are there sort of any plans for the, the site this coming year? Um, anything sort of in the works (laughs) (laughs) so there's a lot happening in the background you know one of our assets is currently undergoing huge refurbishment one of the properties in Clerkenwell which I think is going to be the focus for this year as it's the original building and therefore needs that love and attention Um, but with the two townhouses momentarily they're very well looked after very well maintained Um, and then we have Again, the Bloomsbury coming, so there's huge focus on that. And with the rebrand, mm-hmm. all of the other properties will align with that as well. Yeah, amazing. 
And then sort of moving on, I know that you're, you're a strong advocate for <laughs> women in the industry and for gender equality. Um, so kind of just to begin, what, what has your experience been like as a woman in the industry? Have you sort of come across any unique challenges um, and or been treated differently ever? Can you tell us a bit yes. about that? <laughs> I'd love to, uh, genuinely, I'd love to say no. Mm-hmm. And in the position that I'm in now and with the company that I'm with now, I don't have those issues, Mm. Um, but I have faced them in the past and a lot of those experiences are why I'm such an advocate for women in the industry as well as for the next generation of, you know, hoteliers. Um, I've been told some pretty vile things and, you know, at the time, again, I was very young when I joined the industry and navigating who I was as a person as well as where my place would have been um, within the industry. And it's difficult to come to terms with being as good as your counterpart, but just not being seen as suitable for the part or the role because of being a woman. Mm. Um, Some of that also comes from, you know, people see my name and I'm evidently foreign. And I think it causes, it used to, not so much anymore, caused a lot of surprise when people would hear me speak. Um, Because they'd be like, oh, your name's not English. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm not English. But, you know, that doesn't mean anything. Mm. Um, There's been times where I've had colleagues in the same role as me promoted and I've been left in the same position. And it's consistently felt like, it's because I am a woman. You know, I'd, I had to work twice as hard. I had to be twice as loud. And at some point it gets exhausting because I don't want to continue shouting. I don't want to continue screaming. And it's tough finding that balance of being powerful in who you are without losing your voice and becoming exhausted from it. Um, and it takes a lot of time to do that. And, you know, I've also had issues with pay where Mm. people in the same role as me have been paid much higher than me um, for doing the same job. And that's unfortunate, but it's the reality of what the industry has been and some of the things that I'm actively trying to break down with a lot of other people within our industry. And you say uh, that it's exhausting and it really is... um in many industries, <laughs> to be a woman. How, how did you find the sort of resolve to um, sort of go beyond that and, and you know, have a strong voice and um, sort of overcome that feeling? I think I got to a point, and I, I, I don't genuinely, I have asked myself the question so many times of how, I don't think it was a pinpoint moment. I think I got to a point where it became physically wearing on me having to continually I felt be aggressive Mm. just to ensure that my voice is being heard um and then I realized that essentially if I'm not part of your table then I don't want to be there I'm not going to force myself to be a part of your table and I will go and find people that are willing to not willing I reject that (laughs) not willing that want me at their table Or I'll create my own table. And I'm very much that kind of individual that I will make my own space in a room and I won't apologise for it. Um, But that comes with experience and it comes with time and it comes with 
maturity and wisdom. Um, and I've managed, I think, to find that balance within myself. And I'm genuinely extremely grateful to the team that I have at the Zeta, um, both alongside me and beneath me and even above me. I work with some outstanding people who have made me realise that there are companies and groups and people out there that want you, not only want you to be at their table, but encourage you, you know, the amount of support that I receive in all of the work that I do is next second to none. It's, you know, I'm never questioned and I never feel like I have to say certain things or don't have to say certain things. I'm never censored in the person that I am. In fact, it's hugely encouraged. And therefore, it's about finding the right people and the right companies. And if you don't feel like you're fitting and you don't feel comfortable, it's okay to walk away. Mm. It doesn't make you weak. It just makes you better for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's wonderful and that's really encouraging to hear that, you know, you, you're in that space and you've got such supportive people around you. Um, but do you think elsewhere in the industry, do you think um, there's still barriers for women? and or Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And it's... It's disappointing to see that a large part of our industry is still, I guess, running with an old age thinking. Um, and I think there's some brilliant things that we can learn from, I guess, old age hospitality. But there's some things that are in dire need of change. And for me, seeing that it's still there and it's very prominent within the industry. You know, I'm personally one person and there's hundreds and thousands of other women within the industry that are doing the same thing that I'm doing but it feels like at the moment it's still not enough mm. and I think a lot of that in all honesty um which is something I'm known for being too much of um, <laughs> is bigger brands because it's so much harder to make those changes within such big chains and brands yeah whereas you know within the independent sort of sector I feel like there's a lot more movement and progression and I think there's a lot of learning to be had from independent groups. And I'm hoping that's what we're heading towards. You know, I, I sit in conversation and sit on panels with bigger brands. And, you know, once you get off that stage, you have those conversations. Mm. And some people don't even realise because they're so accustomed to the way that things have been run for so many years that they don't even see it as being an issue until you bring it to light. And you have to be able to have uncomfortable conversations in order to make change. And I think that's how we do it, through conversation. Yeah. And then it's for them to take those actions. Do you find that people from these brands, are they receptive of that? Or does it, <laughs> does it vary? <laughs> I think you can sense it during conversation. You know, some people will reach out to me after talks and continue to have conversations from bigger brands. And there's people that I'm still in contact with from bigger brands who I'm actively having those conversations with. And interestingly enough, most of those people are men who want to have these conversations. Mm. And then some people get off stage and forget how to say your name. And I'm just like, I'll leave you there. <laughs> That's fine. You have your moment. Mm. But I think as an industry, we are evolving. And, you know, some may say it's not at a rapid enough pace. But evolving is evolving regardless of that. And 
as long as we continue to be advocates for our industry and for the women in our industry, then nothing stops us from getting progressively better on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, and I guess sort of in, you know, in terms of sort of change and the way it filters through, what are your thoughts on sort of representation of women in senior positions in the industry? Is <laughs> perspective on that? I think it's still lacking. I think there's a lot of work to be done in that area. But then that leads me to a question that I ask myself very often. Is it the industry's fault or is it our own? Because how many of these individuals are actively voicing? And it's, again, I, it's not a blame on anyone. It's because this is the way things have been run for so long that a lot of women in senior leadership positions are much quieter than their male counterparts. And, you know, if a woman does or presents in the same way that a man does, do we see her as overbearing? Does she become braggy, you know? Mm. And it's it's that, it's where we still have those insecurities within ourselves and therefore are not representing ourselves enough. Whereas I've kind of again, I think found my balance within shouting about it, but in a very welcoming manner, in a much gentler tone than I would have done previously, perhaps. Um, And, you know, women in senior leadership roles should be out there, I think, more. And reaching out to the younger generations, that's a huge part of it for me as well. Because at the end of the day, we are all here to do a job and we have day jobs. Um, But it's about creating that safe space for the next generation of leaders and inspiring them that it's there and it's accessible. Because in reality, 10 years ago, when would you have ever met a me running a hotel? It's it's just the true reality of our industry. Mm. And I'm living proof that we are evolving but I think we need to do more. Yeah. And it's it's tough, isn't it? Because, you know, women would are conditioned to sort of think, you know, yeah. don't don't take up too much space and you know it's Oh, I take up all the space. <laughs> I take up all the space and then some. Um and it's it's just who I am. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, hopefully like you say, sort of breaking that down for the next generation Working will, on help, it. will help lead to, to progress. Um, and sort of on that note as well, I was going to ask, sort of being a young person in the industry, <laughs> has that ever sort of presented a barrier in terms of sort of the way people? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, and I think less so maybe in the last year or so, but until then, actually, and still now it's been a lot of people question my capabilities due to my age. And I've often, very often been told, oh, but you look too young to do that. And I'm like, mm, okay, <laughs> sure, we'll have it your way on this. Mm. Um, but it's, I guess for me, it's very much, I, I don't have a problem with it. I actually don't mind, you know. People underestimating my knowledge and my skills and my capabilities are often blown away when they sit in conversation with me because I can run you from... A to Z in our industry from operations to commercials and I don't have a problem none of those conversations make me uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I am skilled and I know exactly what I'm doing and then I think 
kind of pivot point for that was last year um, when I won the Acorn 30 Under 30. Um, A lot of people were kind of messaging me like, hold on, you're under 30. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's doable. It's, I've been in this industry from when I could work. It's, it's not something that is unheard of or unseen. Mm. I think it's just, it's a perception we have. I mean, look, I see some of my team, they're younger, you know, I've got people in my team that are 19 and 20. And, you know, sometimes they say things and I'm like, hold on, you're quite young. And they're like, I don't think you should be saying that. I mean, I mean it as a compliment because some of the things I say, I learn so much from them every day. And I think a lot of people within the industry have maybe felt like that towards me where they wouldn't have expected me to be the age I am. But I also don't think that has anything to do with anything. Um, And again, I don't mind being underestimated at all because it just gives me room to continue proving Mm. (laughs) that it is attainable. And you can do it. Nothing stops you. Yeah, exactly. And I know you, you go to schools and you talk to, uh, to young people about sort of how to navigate the, their future career path and hospitality. Um, yeah, can you tell us a bit about that? So, I, yeah, um, that's kind of one of my passions is working with the next generation. Um, and it's essentially twofold. So it's one aspect of that is people within our, that are studying at hotel schools and, you know, in sixth form. So I do a lot of talks around the Marlebone area, but also work really closely with Edge Hotel School. So I was there yesterday doing a guest lecture. Um, and I think it's just being that different voice to what they're accustomed to hearing. Um, and, you know, I, it all happened kind of haphazardly where I went and spoke at a conference and sort of days later I couldn't filter through my LinkedIn inbox from all of the students kind of being like it's so amazing to see that there's some change in the industry and that there's advocates out there and there's people that want to work you know and make changes actively within the industry and I think that kind of built the stepping stones into me getting into doing that a lot more. Um, I also have a few people that I mentor now from hotel schools um, just I guess showing the younger generation that there is progression happening and evolution within our industry because when I was their age, I wish I'd seen a me on a stage or I wish Mm -hmm. a me had had a conversation and shown me that there will be progress, there will be change, there will be development. Um, So I think that's one part of it. And then on the flip side, um, I do a lot of talking at schools for students whose first language isn't English and who come from very disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, And that's another one of my passions, kind of working with... A lot of them are refugees, a lot of them just come from poverty, essentially. And working with them to try and support in making a difference because, you know, if you can help one young person, then the next generation will be better. Um, So that's also part of what I do. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think to, you know, present something face to face with these youngsters. Yeah. And you can kind of speak the same language as them because they feel closer to you because you're not, you know, someone that's, I haven't been in the industry for 50 years. And then again, we go back to that thing where it creates a comfort for them that I look quite different. I don't present the same as quite a lot of 
hoteliers, I guess. Um, and it creates that comfort and breaks those boundaries and barriers for them. Um, and, you know, even after the lecture yesterday, I've had messages upon messages. And it's, it's for me, it's inspiring to see them inspired. Mm. And I think that's a huge part of why I continue to do it. Because our industry is beautiful. And I think we've been, we have, not we've been, we have ourselves giving it a terrible name over the last few years. So it's just working on re rebuilding that. Yeah. Um, and sort of in, in what other ways do you think the industry can, can help you build that and sort of inspire young people? I think we need to have a lot of uncomfortable conversations, which yeah. everyone seems to be avoiding. We need to, one of the big, concerns for me within the industry is how enabling it is for addiction that's a massive concern for me you know I've worked in spaces where being drunk is encouraged because you've got more energy because you're buzzing because x and y and z um and I've seen you know blind eyes be turned on substance and alcohol addiction mm. um which is a huge thing in our industry and no one seems to want to talk about it. And, you know, I'm okay having these uncomfortable conversations because it makes the change. And I want, again, it's that whole thing, making the industry a better place for us that are in it, but also making it a safer space for the next generations that are coming into it. Um, it's a culture, we've had a culture within our industry of working to the core, doing 80, 90 hours a week, and that's a good thing because it proves how committed you are and how willing you are and how, why does no one talk about... And I'm not saying those things don't happen because, you know, you get to Christmas period and everyone's putting all of the hours in. But who's having those conversations about the effects of it on our mental health? Mm. Who's having the conversations about how those individuals are impacted? Do they have support systems around them or not? And I get it, we're not... A charity at the end of the day we are businesses but if we don't take care of our own they leave us and we've seen that pandemic mm. brexit proved that to us we didn't take care of our own people enough and now we're all searching for scraps of staff mm. um what has your experience of staffing been <laughs> like recently on that note it's different mm. i'll i'll say that it's different um you know, I think everyone's kind of said the same thing and we've all gone into loop about COVID and Brexit and how tough it has been to find staff. And it's, it continues to be. And I think a large part of the problem has been us as an industry because we've made it so unappealing that no one wants to be within our industry. You know, you've got a young waitress that comes into shift and is made to cry her eyes out because X, Y or Z has happened. And then she goes out with her friends. She's going to tell her friends that, this industry is the absolute worst thing in the world. Don't ever step into it. So not only have you lost that person, you've lost anyone around them that was considering becoming part of the industry. Then the flip side of that as well is we haven't presented how much opportunity there is within our industry as well. A lot of people that don't work within hospitality assume you can be bartender, waiter, waitress, receptionist. They don't see revenue. They don't see sales. They don't see finance. You know, our industry has some of the most stable careers in the world. And we're not talking about those opportunities enough. And I think part of it is because we've genuinely at some point become quite desperate for staff. Mm. So we're not having the time to 
make it look appealing or show how appealing it is. But if we keep missing that trick there, then we're missing out on potentially bringing some great people into our industry. But it's, it's, it's been tough. Mm. It's been really tough. And I think hopefully it's getting better, but it's still, yeah, so not been easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not been easy. And I guess sort of going back to you know, supporting staff who <laughs> may have, you know, in terms of mental health or yeah. uh, addiction and, um, and, you know, making the industry a sort of encouraging and safe space. I know you hold roundtable discussions on this. Um, yes. Can you tell us a little bit <laughs> so about So we that? kind of, we opened the lounge in the Marlebone to working with a fantastic charity called Healthy Hospo, um, whose whole goal is to support those in our industry who suffer from mental health issues, who suffer with substance abuse, addiction abuse. So we've done various things with them. Um, and we've had very open sort of roundtables and discussions and speakers in to talk about addiction and to talk about mental health and to talk about how to navigate those things and where the support is. Um, but we also hold chess every Monday and everyone in our industry is welcome. And essentially it's just a day where chess tables are set up, you play with a completely random person, you have a conversation, no biases, no judgments, and try to build more of a support and rapport within our industry for one another. That's amazing. Um, and sort of adjacent to, to that and uh, um, sort of being socially minded, I know you're involved <laughs> with uh, the Marylebone project. Could you just tell us a bit about that? That sounds... Uh, it sounds like I don't do anything in my actual <laughs> job. Um, I promise I do my job as well. Um, the Marylebone Project is an outstanding charity. It is a homeless shelter for women, um, again, struggling with substance abuse, leaving domestic abuse households, um, trying to find safety, essentially. And for the last two years, and on this one, I really do have to thank the team at the Zeta for the support. They've thrown so much support behind me in this, um, in being able to support the charity and our suppliers. You know, there's some of our suppliers that have been absolutely critical in the support we've been able to give. So we do bags with essential items for when people come into the shelter on their first night, sanitary products, sort of shampoos, shower gels, little bits of kind of dry foods and teas and coffees and things like that. Mm. Um, I've also worked with some of our brands who are, again, brilliant um, in repainting and redecorating some of the rooms at the shelter. Um, just going there, having conversations as well, you know, spending the day there speaking to the women that are there who just want someone to listen, mm. who just want to have a conversation. It it can genuinely be as easy as that, you know, and I do that in my free time as well. Um, actually, most of that's in my free time, <laughs> but it's being socially conscious as a business. You know, we, and I, I guess... At the Zeta, we're a bit of a unicorn where we're, we're fortunate enough to have that autonomy mm. to do what we do. And we are a very, you know, we are successful as a business and therefore we as a business also need to give back. And we also as individuals need to give back and support those that are not as fortunate as we are within the business. 
Um, and the Marlebone Project is just, it's an outstanding team of people that help so, so many women. Um, and it's, yeah, something that I'm quite closely involved in. Going to see them tomorrow, actually, mm. um, just to drop off some stuff. But, you know, none of that is possible, again, without brands and partnerships. Um, and that's, I think, one of the most important things about just working with good people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. That's really you know, inspiring to hear um, in this industry. Um, and yeah, I guess sort of finishing off, what's your sort of hope for, I guess, both women and, and young people um, in the in the coming year in the industry? What sort of changes would you like to see? I think women need to have more conversations. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we've been the problem with ourselves because rather than support each other, we've seen each other as competition. Um, and I think there's great things out there that are happening in order to encourage those conversations. There's beautiful events, you know, around International Women's Day, but I think we need to do more of that. So I'm hoping to see a lot more of that within the industry. Um, and I'm hoping that we see a lot more willingness to come into the industry for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Um there seems to be a spark reigniting within the industry, which is a beautiful thing to see. Um, and it's encouraging to know that the younger generation wants to get back, well, wants to come into the industry, which, you know, we've worked on and preserved for so many years. So, you know, we're leaving the future in their hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess if you had any advice for women and, you know, young people, what what would that be if you could? Sort of tell them anything if they're sort of thinking about having a career. Do you know what? If you're uncomfortable in the room that you're in, then find a room that feels like home. Because then you'll never ever feel like you're taking up too much space where you belong. It's that simple. Mm. Just that simple. Lovely. <laughs> um, thank you so much, uh, Eliasa. Um, just to finish off, um, we always end our episodes with a question left <laughs> by the last guest. Um, and our last guest was Giles Fouche, uh, owner of Bear Island Hotel. It's a bit different to the to the conversation we've had, but um, he wanted to know what are the parameters that would make you decide whether or not to purchase a hotel? Lo- location. Location, I think, would be key for me. Um, another key thing, I think, given... Our experience with the Bloomsbury, <laughs> um, whether the building is listed, um, accessibility. So what's nearby? What does that look like in terms of airports or whatever that may be? Um, and staffing within the region that it's in. Mm. I think those are the key things for me because around that then financially and commercially you can make things work. Thank you for that. And yeah, just to finish off, what would your question be for our next guest? What are you going to do in the next year to make the industry a better place? Awesome. <laughs> awesome. We will, we will pass that on. Um, thank you so much for your time. Leah. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Checking In, a weekly podcast from Hotel Owner, the UK's trusted source of hotel industry news and analysis. 
If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you listen to. To get more industry insight, head to hotelowner.co.uk and subscribe for unlimited access. If you're interested in sponsoring episodes of the podcast, drop us a line at podcast at hotelowner.co.uk.